Lally Ho, and welcome to another episode of Charlie and Dropouts, a good Final Fantasy XIV podcast for bad academics. I'm your host this week, Archon Victor Hunter, and years ago, I had a video game pub trivia team called the Warriors of Right. Until we decided that it sounded way too much like we could be a white supremacist group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> so we changed that pretty quick. I'm here with my fellow Archons, uh, Nadia Oxford. Say hi, Nadia. Hi. I, you know what? I have never done too much in the way of pub trivia, but I'm pretty good at what I do uh, when I do get into it. But uh, yeah, uh, I'd be very careful about team names now and in the future. Uh, also with us today is our other regular co-host, Mike Williams. Say hi, Mike. Hello, hello. I myself have never uh, come up with a group name that sounded vaguely white supremacist, so I, that's, <laughs> I don't have as, as many tales well, There's a first time for that. everything. I, I well, did jump out of a tree and land on the ground. Because Damn. the bungee cord, the bungee cord was too long. It, the, the plan was right. <laughs> it did not bungee. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was in grade five, we did have a secret group. We called the Chipettes. After the album, the Chipmunks had the Chipettes. Oh wow! Was, uh, it was. It didn't last long. It was kind of stupid. Were you all short? No, actually, I was probably the shortest one amongst us, as, as tended oh, to happen. Okay. All right. And with us as our special guest on this very exciting episode is the lovely and talented Eric Van Allen. I can't say that I've either done pub trivia or made vaguely white supremacist sounding club <laughs> names. So, yeah, I got I got nothing for this. I'm a bystander on whatever is happening here. Wow. We don't know what's happening. Man. It's OK. I'm it just was, driving by rubbernecking at all this chaos right now. <laughs> I, I was going for for a, a connection to the Warrior of Light, which is our oh. subject for today. But mm. you guys really glommed on to pub trivia and white supremacy. Not my fault. I'm just, I'm just uh, basically uh, fans, things that they know about Victor, pub trivia, <laughs> vaguely white supremacist, big, big mustache, <laughs> and monster fucker. <laughs> noted monster fucker. Listen, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm really building up quite the rap sheet. Uh, anyway, moving on to our topic at hand. Oh, first we do have to celebrate because there are four people on the pod today, which means we have a light party. Hey, and there go there goes the the healer dropping out because we got into uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name of Piss Palace, uh, the one that's uh, full of poison Piss and shit. Uh, the Orem Vale? Orem Vale, thank you. Orem Vale? Orem Vale, yeah. Uh, my friend calls it Piss Palace, and I've just called it sure. that since. Unfortunately, we won't be going too much into piss today as a topic. In fact, we're going to be talking about... How do I log out as a oh, caster? How do I leave? <laughs> Instead, today's topic is the Warrior of Light. It is a broad topic, but something we want to focus on today is we're going to talk a little bit about our personal warriors of light within the game final fantasy 14 as well as um we'll be uh taking some some of our community members and talking about uh, their warriors of light and what they mean to them and also what the warrior of light as a character as an 
avatar as an actor in the world of Final Fantasy XIV sort of means for the game and the narrative and and what that means in terms of role play within an MMO. So we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I'm very excited to hear what you all have to say. Um, but before we get into that, let's touch on a little bit of news. Um, there, there's been a bit. Um, uh, while you're here, Eric, uh, I would love mm-hmm. it if you could tell us a little bit about an upcoming event that you are organizing, uh, probably as we speak. Yeah, yeah. No, we're in the middle of that right now, which is why I look very stressed and haggard right now. <laughs> um, so coming up, uh, I don't know if this is when we're... Yeah, this is probably the first time we're talking about it on a Blood God podcast, like the actual date. But July 29th and 30th is going to be our annual charity stream. We know that we have put it off a little bit. We always uh, try to aim it for June and then everything comes up and creates problems. And so this ended up being the one weekend that made the most amount of sense for us to do. Um, Ironically, it does run immediately into Final Fantasy Fan Fest. But being the smart cookies that we are, we are turning that into content, baby. Yeah. Uh, So part of the charity stream will be a live Twitch recording of a Charlene Dropouts episode reacting to all the news from Final Fantasy Fan Fest. Uh, So if you want your hot Charlene reactions live and fresh, I mean, they'll be like 24 hours delayed or so, I think, from the, the live letter and such. But we'll be talking about all that live on the air potentially with extra guests is what we might be looking at um yeah yeah still a lot of that is up in the air uh but we are kind of at the point now where we have a general idea of what segments we want to do and we are now reaching out to guests and figuring out prizes and there will be incentives uh both prizes and giveaways and stretch goals for further content uh, so look forward to that. It was a great time when we did this last year. We definitely wanted to do it again and uh, raise money for a good cause. We were raising money for Trans Lifeline uh, as we did last year. And I think most folks uh, who listen to the Blood God pods know that it's been an even tougher year the last year mm-hmm. uh, than it was the year prior for mm-hmm. for trans folks. And so getting them the help they need and, and assistance is uh, a big thing that we really want to uh, show up and support for and and put our you know support you walk the talk so to speak so um yeah we're really excited about all this it's going to be a good time and i think we've got some surprises laid out is what i'll say we've got some surprises uh <laughs> still still some things tbd because i have once again really stupid aspirations that will probably come crashing back down upon me but uh (laughs) you love to make yourself hurt i like look if i'm going to do some sort of big stream event i have to come up with something that is excessive and over the top and i think this time it's a little bit more reasonable than the stuff i've done in the past just because a lot of the things i'll have to do are things that are similar to what i've done in the past tech wise and so i shouldn't be too worried but uh who knows it could all implode and that would be fun but yeah tons of great stuff potentially some zelda event battle thing happening Maybe. uh possibly some discord grudge match maybe some tier making some jackboxing some king of the castle the new hotness in the jackbox realm uh so yeah no we're gonna have a good time 
It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun weekend uh, on all fronts. Um, speaking of FanFest, Nadia. Yes. What are you doing that weekend? I don't know. You might just pop over to L.A., see what's up. You know, uh, not L.A., sorry. Oh, I, I hope you're not in, in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really be in the wrong place. <laughs> standing at the L.A. Convention Center. Square Hello. Enix is sending Fan me Fest. away from FanFest. <laughs> <laughs> Why they send me a ticket to the middle of the desert? But yeah, I um will be going. I might pop over to Vegas, see what's up, uh, try to win some money, win the win the big cash, and uh, pop in and say hi to the the fan fest that might be going on there. I don't know. It's a it's an idea. Yeah, yeah. You're you're going to be our uh, our fan fest correspondent. I am. Um, I'm going to be feet on the floor, and I guess I'll also be seeing the primals, which is just like man. I, yeah. I will make sure to take I'm tons of shittio for all of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On please. a 3DS, please. On a 3DS, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Rainbow Smear. function enabled. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be exciting. Um, speaking of uh, FanFest news, they have just released the schedule for both days. Um, uh, so we, we now know what sort of panels are going to be happening. There's going to be a realm revisited, which is a, a sort of 10th anniversary look back at um, at uh, specifically a lot of the sort of community stuff that has evolved since the early days of a realm reborn. Um, there's going to be uh, a panel called "The Beginning of the End: The Annotated Endwalker" with Ooh. Yoshida and uh, Ishikawa. Ooh, um, nice! I'm gonna see that. Sounds very interesting. It's going to be two hours long, so there's probably going to be tons of interesting stuff about the development cycle of Endwalker in there. Uh, we got the cosplay walk. There's the piano performance on the first night. Um, what else do we have? There's going to be the uh, live letter is going to be on the Sunday morning. So that's probably, you know, we'll, we'll have the keynote on Saturday, which is going to be our first teaser of 7.0. And then we're going to sort of bring, bring things back, rein it in on Sunday morning. And, and they'll probably be talking a little bit about 6.5 and what we can look forward to mm-hmm. for the rest of the year. We've got the crystalline conflict regional championships. Um, we have, uh, speaking the language of creation with uh, Kate Swinar, uh, who is who took over from from Koji Fox as the English localization lead, which is very very exciting. Oh uh, yeah, there should be some good some good lore drops. Um, I've I've seen some of the questions that people have been asking for the panel on uh, on the official forums, and uh, there's some good stuff. So hopefully we'll get some. Some cool stuff out of that. And most importantly, Nadia, you're going to be <laughs> the only one of us bringing home that FanFest 2023 goodie bag. Have you seen this, baby? I have seen it. I have seen just like the squishy grapes, the squishy mm. polygon grapes your with four grapes, sides. Your Grebulov keychain. Oh, your, the Grebulov keychain broke my uh, heart. Loperit pen. I mean, they're really doubling down on the on the cute, the cute. They have stuff. the uh, the Asm crystal as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put that on my keychain for sure. Very lucky. I'm very jealous. I'm um, very happy. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I can come with next time. I think we should uh, all go. 
yeah, some someday we'll we'll all get there. Um, and then we have, uh, as of I think yesterday, we had the uh, 6.45 patch website update, which includes uh, the new Criterion and Variant dungeon. Um, we have some some new screenshots of mounts and minions, and most importantly, we have some some more details on the blue mage yeah. uh, level your cap project increase. your life your life project yes yes uh we're very excited uh, i'm already over on the discord planning our we're gonna do some blind runs of some blue mage shadow bringers content just oh, really throw yeah. ourselves at stuff and see what spells we get <laughs> see I'm, what happens yeah i'm i'm so excited this is see what fish we get slapped with exactly this is christmas for me so but beyond that let's get into the main topic at hand the warrior of light is this guy have you have you hey uh you heard about this um you heard about this guy <laughs> what about this guy yeah uh brief brief history of the warrior of light first of all uh i, I would i would like to know what is everyone's experience encountering the mm, concept of the warrior of light first if you have previous final fantasy experience what was your first um, encounter with either the idea that that Square eventually sort of codified into the Warrior of Light, or also just the the Warrior of Light as player avatar? Nadia. Uh, well, I played the first Final Fantasy, so of course everyone there is technically a Warrior of Light. They're all the orb bearing. Uh, warriors but as for like a a kind of like the yoshitaka amano warrior of light like that concept Mm. the guy with the real big horns to me i first really kind of latched onto that as an idea with the tessidia games which i I had the first tessidia for psp and i have a friend who at the time was writing a lot of fanfic about tessidia and particularly the warrior of light so i thought oh you know what this guy doesn't seem like a total you have a total stick up his ass he might be all right and uh, he still has a stick up his ass, but he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there, there's a lot of different incarnations of the FF1 Warrior of Light. And I, I, th- I think it's interesting yeah. what, they, what they try to do with him each time. Mike, what, do, you have, do you have prior Warrior of Light experience? Uh, other than the first game, probably like one of the remakes or something like that. Um. Because, you know, some of the other games, I don't think they they do the crystal things, but they don't call them Warriors of Light. Yeah. So probably like the DS, the DS remake, offshoot, whatever, for Warriors of Light. Mm, for yeah. Heroes of Light. But Heroes yes, of that's Light. That's it. Right. It was, yeah, it was kind of before they really wanted to nail the idea that, no, Warrior of Light is character yeah and a singular he represents final fantasy one uh, so yeah mm-hmm. there, there was some little little differences in translation there 
And uh, he has a yeah. name now because of Dissidia, maybe? It's like gotcha. Tyrion, Ferian, or something like that. Uh, well, Ferian is the dude from 2. But there's... Yeah. So there, there are a couple different... Um, like, there is a novelization, or a novella, um, that was published, I think, for the 25th or 30th anniversary, where they do sort of give you canon names for the four warriors of light in mm. FF1. Um, then you also run into situations like um, Stranger of Paradise, yes, where you do. <laughs> uh, you're eventually you, your encounter with the warrior of light does come up and you see, you do see four people enter the chaos shrine, but three of them sort of get wiped out before anything can happen. And they don't really, they're not really given any unique character designs or anything like that. And, and your fight is one-on-one -on -one with the warrior of light. We know as the warrior of light, um, uh, Eric, what about you? What's what's your history with this fella? I, I I knew pretty much nothing about the Warrior of Light because I know I've I've talked about this before, but like my Final Fantasy history started later in the series, um, especially like later in the 3D era, specifically where I feel like the idea of the Warrior of Light was a distant <laughs> memory and not yeah. quite a uh, top of mind thing. So. I had seen mention of them, like like Nadia was saying, uh, the Amino art was obviously something that I think most people stumble across at one point or another. But mm -hmm. I think first time hearing it codified as the Warrior of Light was definitely in fourteen, and and seeing how that actually played out as like a concept within Final Fantasy, and of course, as we're probably going to talk about later, some stuff that happens in Shadowbringers and all that that uh really really codifies some of that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting to see how they would try and reincorporate, because like you say, there was a time where, you know, FF7 doesn't concern itself with Warriors of Light, neither does mm. 8, 9 doesn't really, 10 certainly doesn't. Um, but even, you know, FF5, you sort of have this idea of the Dawn Warriors that came before your current party as sort yeah. of like this extension of the Warrior of Light theme as as being a thing that is sort of a a legacy that is left behind by previous adventurers. Um, and then FF3 also sort of refers to them as Warriors of Light. Um mm -hmm. And that's that's another one too, where instead of when they try to take a representative from FF three, it's sort of like with one, where instead of grabbing a, a a named character, they sort of give you the concept of the Onion Knight, as if the Onion Knight sort of represents heroes from that world, as opposed to a, a singular entity. Um, mm -hmm. which I take umbrage with because I think the characters that they invented for the DS remake of three are great. Just give, <laughs> just canonize yeah, I, Lunith, I did like them. Refia, Ark, and Ingus. They're cute. Um, and then the other one I want to mention is Final Fantasy Dimensions, which came out, I believe, <laughs> in course. 2008 or nine on, on feature phones. And then I believe in 2010 or 2011, um, for for iOS and Android, and that 
was it also sort of spun off from FF3 and really embraced the Warriors of Light, Warriors of Darkness dichotomy. Right. But kind of did it in an FF13 way where you are uh, jumping back and forth between these party compositions as the Warriors of Light on, on one side of things and the Warriors of Darkness. And they, they play in really fun ways with, with setting up who you think is going to be a Warrior of Light and who you think is going to be a Warrior of Darkness and sort of blending those things a little bit and, and giving them, uh, again, like FF13, giving them access to different jobs that force you to to tune these these different parties uh, as you as you jump back. I mean, if you if you're going to allow that, then you also have to bring in Mobius Final Fantasy, which was also yeah. a mobile game, mm. yes. which also started a Warrior of Light, who could also uh, jump onto different jobs. I forgot about that Infinity and ass, he's... Infinity Blade <laughs> ass game. Yeah, his name is literally Wall. Wall. It's it's, it's coming for dinner. Wall. Yeah. How much do your parents he, have to hate you to name you Wall? <laughs> he is Warrior of Light. Um, with a great character design. Also, that that incarnation of of Princess Sarah and and Chaos is really great. That's that that's a game that is tragically never going to see the light of day ever again. Um, but it had some really really cool stuff going for it. Really fun inversions of of some some early Final Fantasy ideas. Um so let's get into our Warriors of Light. Um, as we all know, when you're making a character in, in FF14, you are creating who, who will become your story's Warrior of Light. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what went into the creation of our characters. Um, and I'm going to start with Mike. <laughs> Why would, you, why would you do that because you, you i love this you know that that mine is going to be the one where i'm like uh, i'm gonna be honest i didn't even really think about it i know you poured your heart and soul into it you were looking up naming conventions you spent days uh trying to figure out what race to play yeah no uh my uh so for the fans who who do see the uh uh, Charlie and Dropouts logo, or I've seen screenshots uh, at Fanbyte. My character is literally just me, um, yep. <laughs> and I have not like there. There was never like a time like oh maybe I'll be like Vieira or, or a Cat Boy or an R.I. Was just like all right, human. What's the closest <laughs> human I could get to uh, looking like me? And actually, my very first character was. Um, whatever the 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 Highlanders. The problem oh. with the Highlanders is they they don't have eyebrows, <laughs> and there's there's no way to add eyebrows. So like like I was like, okay, this is close enough. And then I played for probably a while on that character, and I was like, no, I can't handle the mm. no. um, Don't they so, live in dusty kind of areas? Why do they not have eyebrows? I don't know. Sense. It's really weird. So I'm I'm a human Midlander with glasses who and just eyebrows. looks like me, and I have never thought about the backstory beyond that. 
Um, as the farthest I've gone for the warrior of light is thinking that it would be funny to have a comic called the warrior of life about the second place person who ends up at all of the events that we have just after the warrior of light. Uh-huh. So like you're the backup and you never get, you never get those moments because everything is really about the warrior of light, right? Like yeah. everything happens yeah. to them. <clears throat> to a fault sometimes. And well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. Regardless yeah. of like, like, like other, there are other characters who are like decently heroic. <laughs> Quote unquote. Yeah. You know, or, or, or like, like, you know, like Arnvald, like his yeah. whole plot is essentially like, this is kind of like the guy that would be the hero. Yeah. But you're here. Yeah. So he's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't I don't mostly think of like like my warrior of light mentally doesn't really have a backstory. Yeah. Um because it's just me. It's just the the like my direct avatar. My this yeah. is my isekai body. So I yeah. I was going to say please don't downplay this because I have told multiple people recently. One of my biggest like things with 14, one of my biggest gripes is that you can't put like name tags the way you can on Steam to be like, "Hey, this person is this person." So I can remember right. because I love all of you and your role playing goodness, but sometimes I can't remember which fucking fantasy name is whose. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh I would love to be able to put little like notes to be like, this is Mike's character. This is Nadia's character. Um, But I never mistake it because every time I see your character, Mike, I'm just like, oh, it's Isekai Mike. Mike got Isekai. (laughs) With a shiny ass coat. I always it's always the limbs of Aetherite. I, I show up at the Limsa Aetherite because I'm hopping on. I'm like, okay, what's weird on Party Finder tonight? And then there you are <laughs> running to the market board or something. And I'm like, oh, it's Isekai Mike. <laughs> I hop on looking for some strange in the middle of a Tuesday night. And there's Isekai Mike. He's very yeah. dependable. And, and it, it usually is. It's Limsa. Like it's at the market board. And usually it's it's going to my retainers. Mm-hmm. Taking mm-hmm. off the stuff, changing into uh, crafters, building stuff, putting it on the market board. Yep. Uh-huh. And then, you know, do the duties, you know, not all the duty relax, but like, you know, the main like three. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm like, I bounce out like, cool. I, I have <laughs> seen this exact process as I have the party finder window open looking at what weird nightclub is open tonight. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the experience. Um it's beautiful. Um, maybe maybe we'll touch on this uh, later on. But Mike, is there <clears throat> when you are playing Isekai Mike? Uh, <laughs> do you do you feel like you want to or need to or get the chance to embody the kind of character that you would like to? Like, are are you role playing or is it more like? Is it like Link? Is it like, you know, you're, you're, this, this character is just sort of a, a means to an end to get fed a story and an experience through? Or do you, do you like to also be this guy? I, I would say it's not, it's not role playing, but it's not like Link. Like Link is literally just a body. Like I do not think that Neat. I am Link. 
Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not like projecting anything. Like even in like Breath of the Wild and stuff, when you can make some small choices, like mm-hmm. I'm not thinking like, what would Link do? Or sure. like Link <laughs> yeah. is literally just a, a little tulpa that I control through the world or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 14, no, my warrior of light is like, like me, like that's yeah. the, the, the isekai idea is like, yes, Isa Mike. these are yeah. the things that I would say yeah. if I were in that situation cool. outside of the original, like, your mission if you choose to accept it like yeah like now, she'd now, come to me and i'd be like no <laughs> <laughs> the, I'm the, the, the distinction I, I want to figure out is are those answers you would give if you were isekai'd into a video game or are those mm. answers you would give from this character who is a part of this world <sighs> That's a good question. Yeah. A, I don't like this question. Isekai'd into a video game, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you have you have sort of a, a, a relatively sort of omniscient meta view of what's happening. As yeah, like, when, to like the answers. To, yeah. The answers I, I give are answers that I would give, and also there's a little little bit of world weariness in yeah. the same way that like like assuming if I were there mm-hmm. and I was foisted the chosen one role and had to do it, mm-hmm. these are this is everything that I would do. When when you are given the dialogue option that is the snarky, uh, oh yeah, I guess I'm just everyone's errand boy, despite <laughs> having saved the world a million times. That's your answer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. So you're a dark knight through and through. Yes. <laughs> Just, just like not the edgiest, but very much like just, just tired and worried and yeah. And what what are we doing here, folks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Naya, tell us a little bit about your Warrior of Light. Well, it's funny we were talking earlier about white supremacy because. <laughs> It's always Jesus. so funny. It's so funny when we talk about white supremacy. Always. Well. When I started um, Final Fantasy XIV, it was actually because we were all starting together as U.S. gamer because we thought we were going to get into it as a team, and that didn't work out. But anyway, I made a totally random cat boy. I knew I wanted to be a cat boy, and I saw, like, I was reading through the descriptions, like, oh, cool. Cat boy, yes. Uh, I've always liked them. I'm I'm a weeb. Mm -hmm. Also, clan, keeper of the moon. Oh, I like that. I like nighttime. I like the moon. I think the sun sucks. So I was like, okay, keeper (laughs) of the moon. This is me. This is who I belong to. And... I I think I did a little bit of customization, but I didn't do very much. And so I was like, okay, I'm just testing out the game to see how, how it goes anyway. Ha, ha, ha. And, um, yeah, so I named my Warrior of Light initially Actung Kitten, which is a, a nickname I've had for many, many years. It's like uh, just a, a play on Actung Baby, which is a YouTube album I like. So as I'm running around the world as Actung Baby, I'm like, or Actung Kitten, I'm like, uh, I supremacy, white supremacy is kind of on the rise at this point. Uh, maybe people are going <laughs> to take this name <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so then I changed his name to the name of a character, like I I made for a another like a Final Fantasy fourteen fan fiction. Sorry, Final Fantasy mm. four fan fiction. Mm. And then I finally got along to writing Final Fantasy fourteen fan fiction of the erotic nature, mm. and 
I was like, this isn't my warrior of light, everyone. Then I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. It's my warrior of light, everyone. Here he is in his glory without, you know, his uh, yay. <laughs> Hooray, he's, he, he exists. But I actually like adding to him. I think he's a like a warrior of light or any kind of avatar like that. Is just an incredible tool for a writer to have because it is so easy to build up your canon as you go. Uh, something people love to do on social media is say like, you know, question of the day for your warrior of light, how do they react if X, Y, Z. And sometimes I participate in that and say, Oh, you know, I never thought of that about that, but I think my character would blah, blah, blah. Basically my character now is named. I, I finally went like full, like weeb and I, I got fully into the game and decided, okay, he's going to change my game another time. Sorry, change my name another time. Square is getting all the tokens off me. That's for sure. Uh, now he's going to have a, an appropriate Keeper of the Moon name, Asla Toe Marshall. Now, Asla was kind of Aslan. Um, mm. Toe is mm-hmm. the, in Another famous Keep- cat. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the apostrophe Toe, that's like a traditional Makote Keeper of the Moon thing. If you're the second-born son in a, in a litter, I suppose, it's a, the, the, the um, extension that you get to kind of indicate who you are. Marshall, I have no idea where I got Marshall. Um, I'm thinking, I was thinking of maybe Jake Marshall. I was thinking of Phoenix Wright for some reason. I had it on the brain sure. and I was like Jake Marshall. So I was like, yeah, here you go. Uh, you thought, in you my... thought Octung Baby, you thought Clavier Gavin, then you jumped to uh, the other hot boy in Ace Attorney, <laughs> Jake Marshall. And yeah, I, I can mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. I can see the web. You, you uh, can follow my thought process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am going to say when I see, like, jumping on Eric's point, when I see your characters around, I actually reverse Nadia and Victor's characters. <laughs> really? Yes. That's cute. Like, whenever I see Victor's character, I think it's Nadia for a hot moment. And I was like, no, Nadia's a cat boy. I'm a cat boy. Whenever I see Nadia's cat boy, I think that's Victor's like, no. Uh, so they so they give white. they give opposite <laughs> energies of of what you would assume then correct they, yeah they, they 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 play against type that yeah. I would expect for both of them yeah Victor's a, a big lady yeah I'm a big lady um um and so as you. As you sort of, and then this is a common phenomenon, is that someone will start 14 and create a character and then realize, ah, I know more about the world now. Mm-hmm. I need I need to go back and kind of start fresh um, n- now that I understand this world. Um, h- how did, um, how did, like, moving through the world and, and and experiencing the story did what were some of the things that like made you want to sort of have a character that bought into the fiction a little more was there like um yeah does that make sense is that yeah i know what you mean i think what might have done it for me I, i think i did it unconsciously but i started noticing like i always liked lore around tribes and peoples and cultures and stuff like that and yeah. i did the post moogle quest actually that was pretty much one of the only ways you're ever going to find out anything about the keepers of the moon and their culture right and it was that really really interesting quest about the um the 
moonkeeper who was living like a, a sun seeker, which meant like he was basically hoarding women, which is considered like extremely wrong in, in mooncat culture. <laughs> in so, most cultures, you probably shouldn't. Well, hoard in this, the, the sun cats, that's what they do. They like they're they're they have a harem. They're like a lions, right? Whereas the uh, moon cats is it's said explicitly like sleeping with one man is weird. We don't do it. So, yeah, I just kind of thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I like nature. I like cats. I like putting those things together in my head and writing them. Uh, it just kind of started to appeal to me. I really started to appreciate how deep the world was, even though it really does need more mooncat lore uh, yeah. and more duskrite lore as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There, there's something about the... And, and some people will say that this sort of limits role-playing opportunities if you're trying to be lore accurate and things like that. But I think the specificity of the races and the tribes and the clans really lends itself well to having a, a, a starting point for a character. And it like does. you say, even, even just um, the... Uh, like reading through the Rogadin dictionary that was on the lore forums back in the day, even just looking at that and seeing like, oh, this is how they construct their names and why just something clicks and, and yeah. you're like, okay, I, I have something to grab onto. I have, I have a, a foundation for what I can build off of. And, and I, I think that's really exciting. And, and yeah, yeah, for and, sure. Um, you know, as it's, you break... it's the same with the like, for example, the the fifty tribes on the on the step. Totally. Like, yeah. Each one pick only one... has a little bit of lore, but every bit of lore is really fascinating. Yeah, you could pick one and make a character, and despite the fact that like it, th those tribes work like prompts, like the ones you were yeah. talking about that people post on on Discord and Twitter. It's just like. Here's the thing. Think about it for a second, and if that thing ends up resonating with you, you think about it for many more seconds, and exactly. it becomes your life. Uh, Eric, <laughs> whoops. Uh, tell us you you are the 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 last of us to join this community. Um, hmm. Did you have did you have any preconceptions about what goes into making the character and and did did you know you were going to be as invested as you ended up being? Not really. Um, you know, I, I've talked about it before, but like MMOs never really clicked with me, especially the MMOs where you did have that sort of investment in a character. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, from an outside perspective, I'm not sure that any other MMO I've seen out there has this level of like your character is your character, the way mm -hmm. that 14 players feel about their Warriors of Light. Um, I see people get, you know, they like their wow characters, but it feels like they like them in a more mechanical sense. They like mm -hmm. them the way that you like a favorite guitar out of the many guitars that you own. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not the guitar that you built. It's not the guitar that you put together and hand etched and you played it at your first concert ever. And it's got a sticker on the back that's kind of fading away, but you want to keep it because it means a lot to you. Like that's kind of the difference there. Mm -hmm. Um it's 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 less mechanical and more attachment to the actual character, which I think also like being able to multi-class and job into anything you want instead of having to roll a new character helps a lot with that, too. But yeah, all of that aside, uh, when I was going in, I was going in very mechanically because I was infamously not sure if I would like 14 
Um, but I had heard enough of y'all making enough noise about it. It was actually my second time trying it. Fun fact. Uh, I had initially made a different character uh, who was basically Aisha Clan Clan from Outlaw Star uh, as <laughs> yeah. an archer. Um, <laughs> uh, and I played maybe like an hour on that character. I actually deleted that character a while ago uh, because oh, I just knew right. I was never going to go back to it. It, it. She was on a different server and stuff like that. I knew I was never going to like yeah. pay to move that character. I wouldn't, I don't do enough to want to have multiple characters. Like that's whatever. Goodbye. If I, if I ever get another retainer, I'll, I'll make my retainer. Aisha clan clan. Sure. Um, but uh, for my character that I made when I was trying this, this, uh, this game out, I had the wonderfully smart idea of doing it when everyone else was trying to play Endwalker. Oh, and no, that's those, right. Those might remember uh, back when Endwalker had just come out, the servers were constantly going down. There were queues. There were, like, wait times to get in. Uh, so I, I knew that to get into Ultros, which is where I wanted to be, uh, I know you can be on kind of the same world server, I think it is, world server, but you have data center. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. You have to be on the same data center. You can be on different world servers, but I wanted to be on Ultros. I wanted to see all my friends walking around in the world. So I knew I had to log on really early in the morning. So I was up at like five in the morning, like just <laughs> logging on to 14 to make this character. I knew I had to do it fast because there was always the potential that this thing was going to crash on me or I would lose my spot. And I'd have to try again. And that's not to excuse the character that I ended up making, but it did inform the character that I ended up making, which I'm going to just say was Geralt of Rivia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just kind of made a Geralt looking motherfucker and uh, and I named him C. Moosey because that's my name everywhere. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, so just yeah. first name C, last name Moosey. And it was actually kind of funny that a lot of characters referred to me as Moosey in the story. I thought that was fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, I start playing and I, I tweeted through all of my experiences. You know, that's out there, I think, still for as long as Twitter is around. Um, knock on wood. <laughs> or or don't knock on wood, depending on how you want Twitter to go. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I as I played, I obviously started to get more involved in the story. I started to see things that were interesting to me. I started to really engage with some of the characters. I started to see that there were things here that I enjoyed. Uh, and it was around the time of the big twist in post ARR that I was thinking about my character. And I was really thinking at the time, you know, do I want to play this character? Because I like the way my character looked. I, I I like that that original Moosey a lot, but I don't know if I felt a strong attachment to him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I continued. I played through all of Heaven's Word, um, and it was at the end of Heaven's Word that I decided I'm going to do it. And I actually, I started to keep plugging content, but I wrote a blog about how I was like, do I want a Fantasia? And like change because I would later learn that everybody Fantasia's all the time and that Fantasia is a giant money sink that people will just throw <laughs> fistfuls of cash into whenever they feel like it. Oh, yeah. um, but I was for me, it was like now I cared so much about this character that I was like, do I want to abandon the character that's been with me on this journey or do I want to build a character that I feel like I've created? Uh, we were also around this time doing some of the Blood God 
D and D stuff. So that was informing my thought process too, was I was thinking right. about how I made a character for D and D and I felt a real attachment to that of making something separate from myself informed by pieces of my personality, but also pieces of what I wanted this character to be. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I got a lot of value out of that. I wanted to see if I could do that in final fantasy 14 as well. So to carry to, to bring the story even further i'm sorry this is very long-winded but this is perfect this uh, is what this episode is all about absolutely. um while i was doing all this i was also doing the job quests for uh f- for heaven's word and there was a character in the dragon job quests for 14 heaven's word uh named houston houston um who i really liked i one of my favorite NPCs, honestly, in the game. I think her story is fantastic. Um, for those who don't know, she is an Alazen that is involved in all the Dragoon job quests and eventually uh, ends up in a complicated spot, let's say. Oh, that uh, was great. And, yeah. And great has story. to suddenly deal with um, what it means for a bunch of dragon racists when there might be a dragon in their midst. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> and that really, that really intrigued me. Cause I was like, what if you, know, this, that along with the general themes of heaven's word and like Estinian story of what do you, what if you have to become what you hate to destroy it um, really resonated with me. I really, really liked that aspect of that story. And so I was like, well, what if I made that kind of character? What if I fucked around and made a dragon dragoon and there was an Alra setting that like Alra is not exactly dragon people, but it's draconic. <laughs> it's definitely giving yeah. dragon. <laughs> so and that, that, that gets brought up in, in some in some backstories and they, things, they have been mistaken yeah. for dragons. And yeah. that's all mm-hmm. I'll say about that. Yeah. Um, so I started fucking around with the character creator. And I ended up making a character I liked and, and I knew that I wanted to create distance between myself and this character. So I had that feeling of this is not a self insert. This is a character I'm playing. One way I often do that is I'll, I'll make them significantly different. So like um, I, I made like a female Aura dragoon. That was what I did. Um, nice. And I crafted this character and while i was making it i had my discord stream open and i don't know if he's been on here yet we should get him on here at some point jesse vitelli told me dude you're just making oscar from evangelion and i was like (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) uh so oscar was the first name and then i wanted to combine some level of attachment to c moosey as well as this dragon background. And so I looked up what water dragon was in Japanese because Aura used many Japanese theming in their names and it was Mizuchi. So that is an ancient water serpent deity. And so it was Asuka Mizuchi. Uh, and that is how I created my warrior of light that I've been playing since the heavens word post patches. I, I will say two things. One, I remember the transition cause I, re- I saw both versions of Eric. Eric's mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. So I remember the transition from it really was girl. It was girl to Rivia. Yeah. To, <laughs> to tiny dragoon girl. And I was just like, wait, what happened? Um, I changed prob- the name too. That was the thing was I also bought the name change. And, and to part of the problem, like Eric mentioned D and D I've never played D and D. So that would be an interesting experiment for like you. A, a thing for me yeah uh, like i played riffs a little bit back in high school but otherwise like no nah, that 
So, you know, maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe I don't role play because I have never role played like that. Sure. Mm. That, would, that uh, would be interesting. I, I'd like to see how that, that could go. But I have to go before uh, Victor gets into uh, how uh, he created his... In, in, does your character also enjoy having sex with monsters in the universe? <laughs> no, mm. she's okay. pure and chaste. How okay. dare you? Get out of here, you scoundrel. I don't want you on my podcast anymore. I'm making this decision right now. Get out of here. Phew, I'm glad I kicked him out for offending me and not because he had another meeting or something he had to go do anyway. about especially for you two is um when when you started 14 how interested were you in um the idea of the story being very focused around your character versus being part of an MMO and sort of feeling like you can inhabit the world in whatever way you choose. You know, there's, there's a tension between what is expected of the story's warrior of light and the nature of a game this big and this fleshed out with this much lore and backstory and history and all the, the role-playing opportunities. Um, what, what were your expectations going in versus how you've settled into playing? Uh, for me, it was extremely just, I wasn't expecting anything else. I put it that way. I actually didn't find out until years later that in World of Warcraft, you are, what is it? You're playing like an alliance, basically, right? You're not really an individual. You are, you are watching other characters act out the story. You're not so much in the story oh, yourself. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can honestly go either way. Like I understood from the very start, knowing the nature of Final Fantasy, okay, I am the center of attention. I am the one who's going to save the world. It, this is how it always goes in Final Fantasy and most RPGs. So I figured, oh, well, business as usual, really. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that is maybe the most fascinating thing to me about uh, Final Fantasy XIV versus most other MMOs out there, with maybe the exception of say like warframe which i have not played a ton of but also tries to pull like a similar trick um hmm. but even that is not like a massively multiplayer online game the way that i would describe uh 14 as and i think it's kind of funny yeah. that you are constantly told that you are the warrior of light you are the hero of the story you are the one doing all these things and then you get dumped into a world where you immediately see about 14,000 other people that look just like you. Well, not just like <laughs> you, but but who are who are players yeah. like you. Yeah. And yet I never really feel that friction in yeah. the text and I think that's what's really interesting and granted they do some things later on um in Stormblood they start start kind of like making jokes about it which I thought was fun. Um <laughs> One of my favorite lines of dialogue in Stormblood is when you're about to do the, uh, I think it's the Susano. It, mm -hmm. It's the the water fight, I want to say, with, mm -hmm. with Alice. And Alice is specifically like, well, maybe the Warrior of Light here has seven friends nearby on a fishing trip that can come <laughs> help out and stuff like yeah. that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's 
really, really fun. And then obviously they come up with a story reason at one point for why you would have uh, friends at beck and call. And that has become the new thing, the the new uh, method that they have for always justifying why there is a light yeah. party or full party available at any given time. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. I do like that they really worked on the lore and an explanation for that. It's like, yeah, fancy dancy science, magic, whatever. But at least there's an explanation. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, it's very funny that it sort of came really late. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> just a bit late. Really late. A little. It, yeah, it, it took the. It was a. It was a long, a long road to get to the point where they could provide a an an a diegetic solution for, for having your party with you. Um, because otherwise, uh, you know, we have, like you say, Eric, the, I hope you have some friends nearby or the, the grand company will send adventurers to aid you. Yeah. Yeah. Grand company is a way to get around that for a while. Yeah. Or sometimes, uh, you know, the scion, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people in the scions who can join you, stuff like that. Um, and, and and yeah, that that all sort of butts up against the you know when you're fighting a primal. Well, who has the echo and who doesn't, and why do we happen to be in a room with a bunch of people who have the echo and won't get tempered? That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is right. there, there was a lot of stuff they sort of had to untangle on the long road to getting Azem's crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I will say for me that I was. I was definitely, I came into it expecting, not expecting the Warrior of Light to be centered so quickly. Mm. Because even in my limited experience with FF11, that is very much uh, in in the World of Warcraft vein where events are happening Mm. around you. And you do... You do interact directly with NPCs and you are acknowledged by them, but you know, records always sort of state that a group of adventurers came along and and yeah. helped s- s- resolve this situation as right. opposed to, you know, now we have things like the Encyclopedia Eorzea, which will just straight up say, this is when the Warrior of Light saved the day and Eorzea's mm-hmm. champion came along and 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 saved everyone um so i i find myself gravitating a lot to the kinds of content that don't necessarily center the the warrior of light so much i think it might be part of why i like things like save the queen where you are yes they do make a big deal out of the warrior of light has joined the Bosian resistance. Like surely we will win with the warrior of light on our side, but in, but mechanically and, and um, just sort of aesthetically, you are one of many uh, uh, soldiers out on the battlefield, just trying to, to inch the, the front lines further and further into enemy territory, that sort of thing where it does feel more like you are part of a collective action as opposed to being the hero of the story all the time which i think is is a nice break and and i'm i'm glad that that both of those things can kind of coexist in the game for sure so yeah. tell us your story come on don't don't dodge oh, it. okay get in there oh, yeah Dish. right 
Um, yeah, so I, I also started, well, I started in 1.0 um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and made a character that I cannot remember the name of, don't remember what race I chose, because as soon as I, I started in Limsa and as soon as I walked outside, it slowed to a crawl and it was completely unplayable. Mm -hmm. um, then in uh, 2013, when... Oh, that, that was actually during the beta of 1.0, too, which was oh. uh, very exciting. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I originally signed up for the PS3 beta of 1.0. Oh, geez. And, oh, right. And, this game was on the PS3 for a minute. Mm -hmm. oh, I mm -hmm. sure wasn't, because uh, at some point during the, the registration period, they said, we don't we don't know when we'll be able to send out oh, beta right. for the PS3 right. users. So here's a PC beta key as a consolation until we get things figured out on the PS3 yeah. side. They did not get things figured out on the PS3. No, it was a Realm Reborn <laughs> that was on the PS3, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, um, right. So I picked up ARR um, on in the first week it came out. Um, and I started a character. Uh, I think I started a cat boy. Um, just because I, I didn't, Come on. I sure fine. Um, <laughs> played played for a little bit, um, and then ducked out. And then when Heaven's Word came out, I started up again, and I was like, "This time I'm gonna make it stick." So I made I made a female Makote. Um, just made her real cute, friggin' like whatever pink pigtails. I was like, "If you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> start out in that outfit, you're gonna look like you belong in that outfit, you little magical <laughs> girl, fucking cutie." Um, and then by the time I had reached Heaven's Word, sort of like you, Eric, I thought, I I think I think I know enough about this world and I, I can tell that I'm invested enough mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. that I want this to make more sense. I don't want to right. I don't want to be looking at the screen and thinking, I, I don't know who this person is or why they care about this. So I went back to the drawing board and um I, I, I was also really bummed that everywhere I went, everyone was female Makote. I, mm. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really boring. It's incredibly boring to, to look yeah. at. Um, so I decided that my, my real character, I was going to pick an underrepresented race gender combination. Um, so I, I figured out that, that, you know, female Rogadin are, are pretty uncommon so like that's that's what i'm gonna do um also there's more sea wolves than there are hell's guard but i i yeah. really liked the sea wolf look and feel and I, yeah. I i really started getting into their language and the origin and and that was when they they had little tidbits of lore about airslint their their home uh islands in the north and i just I liked the idea of playing as a character who comes from some place that we can't get to in game. I mm -hmm. thought that was really like, I don't know, it sort of grounds her in Eorzea. So because because we can't get back to Erzlint, I decided that she would be shipwrecked. Mm -hmm. um, so she, uh, yeah, she she didn't didn't really mean to come to Eorzea for very long um but her her ship was scuttled um and in the process of 
crashing, uh, unconscious. And while she was unconscious, raiders came and stole all her stuff from her ship. Um, so p- part of part of her through line in her backstory and why she's adventuring so far and wide is because there are things there are very important things that were on that ship, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right? And they tie back into uh, who her family was in Erzlint. I I was really happy because I I, I named her parents and everything. Um, and she had she had a, a father who was a paladin who had defected um, and was in hiding in Erzlint. Um, so the 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 things that were stolen tie back into the mystery of who her father actually was. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So that's that's sort of her. Her raison d'être is is to go out and explore the world because she's following and and it's it's all expensive stuff. She knows that it's in the black market. She knows where mm. she knows, you know, there there are ways to follow these trails. Um and then yeah, her, so her name is uh Stiranacht de Munsfin. Um and and Stiranacht means uh, starry night and uh de Munsfin uh M- Munsfin would be uh daughter of the moon moon daughter whatever um but the the prefix on it means denotes that the moon is absent so Mm. it's the the moonless daughter and and her father's name um had moon in it and as a sign of like of like rebellion her mother took the moon out of her name as, as just like a sign that your father is not here anymore. We, mm. he's not, he's not present. So your father sucks. Yeah. Or does he, I don't I, know. I'm bonding with you on like a soul level because I was like, I'm unsure <laughs> if anyone else has like really put thought into like why their warrior of light is the way they are. Yeah. There is something about that like moment where you decide to, cause I have a backstory mm-hmm. too. And yeah. I was like, I, I don't know if anyone else took it that far, but to hear other yeah. people did. Mm. G- give, no, give I definitely some. have a backstory. Give us some. I want to know. Okay. Uh, so when I made the change, it was sometime in the post. patch. I can't remember which, which post patch it was, but I do remember that the first cut scene I had with my new Warrior of Light was actually the one where you fight Nidhogg on the bridge, where oh, it's that great sweet. scene of everyone's fleeing and running away, and the Warrior of Light is just walking in the opposite direction, like <laughs> straight down. It was like the perfect, like, here's the new Warrior of Light cutscene, right? And and even though yeah. some of the stuff in that eventual battle like kind of ties into what would be my previous Warrior of Light's life and and things that he would care about more, I kind of just gloss over that but um (laughs) my my whole you know again i talked about houston and like the you know i like the idea that my warrior of light was training dragoons in the city to prepare for the coming attack of the dragons and the war that was going to break out and so i like the idea that maybe this character oscar was an orphaned alra who had somehow wound up uh at ishgard um having to, you know, basically train and and fight her whole life and wound up becoming very good and became a dragoon, but was always looked down upon because obviously she looks like a dragon and we hate dragons around here. Our whole church is about not fucking the dragons. And so (laughs) um, I like the idea that maybe the warrior of light as an outsider took a liking to her because 
the warrior of light as a potential outsider, like recognized his own kind there recognized like on a spiritual level in that way that, that they understood each other. And mm-hmm. so then as my warrior of light, my old one, Simusi, who is now my retainer, <laughs> uh, kind <laughs> of was, was getting tired. I'd like to think that around the time of Thordin and Harshafont and all that, um, he was getting weary, soul weary. I also like the idea that he's like an old grizzled, like Geralt. So like a blood and wine mm. era Geralt of Rivia, he was maybe looking for someone to take up the Lance. And then when the, the battle struck and everyone fled from Nidhogg, who was the one warrior to rise to the occasion and stride boldly into battle, here's Asuka. And that was Asuka's moment of taking up the Lance. And after that, it was like, okay, I'm going to be your trainer. I'm going to be in the background. I'm going to be the all might to your Deku. And <laughs> right. uh, that has been kind of the headcanon of this uh, since. And like my Asuka has like also changed over time because originally in Stormblood, I was playing her very stoically and very like, I am a dragoon, I'm a knight. But as things kind of evolved on, she almost, it's funny that she is named Asuka because I think her personality is much more Misato um at one point i was thinking about getting some commissioned art of both of my warrior of lights together and i wanted oscar doing the like sorry thing that masato always does when she apologizes (laughs) but she's got like that impish grin like i was i was fucking around and got caught um yeah and has very much like that personality of like is always making the sarcastic like sly remarks very hawk from dragon age 2 if you've played that game very very hawk um and I I love hearing other people have done this because I do think that as much as I love Mike, Isekai Mike, um, <laughs> as much as I love my Norm DFM co-host, Kenneth Shepard, who also notably, and we've had this discussion on our show there, how Ken always self-inserts in everything he plays. Um, I've really found it to be a valuable thing to try and create a character and then have those moments like we were talking about earlier of you are presented with a situation. And now instead of having to think, what would I do and make a choice? You're having to think, what would my character do? How does my character feel in this moment? And I think it can be a different kind of reward. I'm not saying it's a better kind of reward, but it is a Mm -hmm. different kind of way of engaging with a role-playing game. And it's the potential that only exists in role-playing games. Cause I feel like so many other games, that do have choice still feel like they're trying to, we talked about Zelda and, and yeah, you have choice in Zelda, but that's, you're not making a choice, you know, like links going to be yeah. linked no yeah. matter what you do. And so like the, the interesting thing about a role-playing game is it lets you ask those questions and ask them in interesting ways and think about things in different ways, almost create viewpoints outside of yourself that give you new ways of thinking about things, but also give you new ways of viewing how you view things and could change your own viewpoint given time. And I love that. I think that's so, so much more interesting and actually drives a lot of 14's more tedious story moments for me um, is that I can, you know, instead of being stuck there and being like, Oh, this is taking a while. This is dragging or whatever. I start thinking about like, how does Oscar feel about the situation? What yeah. is, mm-hmm. how does this mm-hmm. speak to this character? I think like the Asm step was like a really interesting area to explore for me because I was this Al Ra who had potentially found where she might've come from. I like that idea of Oscar questioning that, like, is this a place where I belong or not? Um, mm-hmm. That was interesting to me. So Nadia, you got a backstory too? 
I'm, I'm kind of like putting together like bits and pieces, but like uh, I would say Aslato had um, a basically kind of ripped off the story of the Santa Killers from Preacher, where he has a mate and he has a kid, and the calamity happens. They get sick, and he tries to come back for help, and tries to come back with help, and they die. And at this point, Santa Killers becomes the Santa Killers. But mm-hmm. I figure, well, uh, this is where Aslato learns to be as to find the the light in bad situations, which of course turns out to be a big major theme in in Final Fantasy. He's like, I'm going to put on a brave face no matter what, which of course is is going to wreak havoc with your <laughs> with your mind as you get older. But yeah, he absolutely tries his best and um, internalizes a lot of problems and uh, tends to tends to wander, tends to roam. So I'm working on him though. Yeah. That that's that's the thing too is that I I have a framework for Steri's story, but I I just I leave details out because I don't know if or when I'll ever get to them or if if any of it will also matter ultimately. Like I I'm not worried about her progressing in the story I've created for her, and and part of that I think is because 14 really does sort of railroad you into a role. Like, I think the Mm. last time I was able to justify it was Stormblood, where I was like, okay, well, Steri is joining this revolution because it will take her all over the world, and it will take her along the trading routes that she knows she needs to be to, to find what she needs. She has no reason to be in the first (laughs) <laughs> she, the, the story I've created for her, she would not care about this at all. But maybe I, who knows? But could I, be in the next dimension. Yeah, unless for I don't know, Gil, Gilgamesh brought uh, sure some some of her stuff over with him when he got sent into the rift. You know, whatever. <laughs> sure, that's fun. There you go. Yeah, but like, um, I. I almost wish, and this will sort of dovetail in, into another topic, but I, I kind of wish that sometimes the story centered other characters and we got to be the companion who was along mm. with them, who who helped them, because I feel like that gives you more opportunity to uh, justify the like- actions on your own a little more. I almost feel like the Crystal Braves story was like that. Was I, I really that did too. feel like yeah. a sidekick on that one, which yeah. isn't bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that kind of stuff a lot. Um, and and I I feel like there was an opportunity, and I think we've talked about this before, but with the disbanding of the Scions at the end of mm. Endwalker and, and sort of even things like the key art sort of implying that the Warrior of Light would step away from that title for a while I I was hoping that and and maybe this will happen in 7.0 you know we still have 6.5 to get through Mm -hmm. hoping that we can sort of step back into obscurity a little bit more and sort of feel like we are participating in the world rather than being the driving force um yeah it's it's tricky it's tricky because it is tricky it has been FF14's biggest success. The 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 combining the the story beats of of a single player RPG with 
the the benefits of, mm-hmm. a, of an MMO. Um, but on that subject, how do you guys feel about the um, our our uh, what's what's the what am I trying to think of? The our, our flagship warrior of light, our the character that they put in front of us when they talk about the warrior of light, when trailers <laughs> come out, when you know, did, a meteor, do you have right? strong That's thoughts people, about people call him meteor, right? Yeah, they kind of started calling him meteor now. It's because um, Lance wants something a little bit meteor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Noah. Um, I actually like. I feel like we weren't really supposed to pay much attention to him until gosh like maybe it was Shadowbringers that intro where it really was emphasized that here is this character we really see he's becoming burdened like he's looking really tired he's looking really weighed down and that's the first time I said oh okay this guy has problems and of course there's uh was it Heavensward where we meet the jabronis of darkness um Mm -hmm. yeah and until Again, Shadowbringers kind of brought us Ardbert mm-hmm. and his story. Then I was like, wow, okay, now I understand. Now I get that the titular warrior of light is, uh, you know, that he works for everybody. I will say, though, that when I was at uh, PAX, you had, remember, the standees mm-hmm. of, uh, of Astinian, Alizé, and Meteor kind of in the, the Puma clothing. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, everyone was dry humping Astinian. And oh, poor Meteor yeah. was off to the side. Like, you know, so... <laughs> He might not be everyone's favorite, but I think he's a good stand-in. Like he's, he has enough character that I can tell he's looking kind of haggard. He's looking kind of tired. Uh, he's fed up with that little gremlin who's who's talking shit over there. But it, yeah, like now I really do feel like he's a character I I, I kind of like, especially since you can also observe him through Ardbert and his story. They did a really good job with that, well, I think. So I like Ardbert a lot. Maybe like a top five Final Fantasy fourteen character for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I major reason why Shadowbringers is my favorite expansion. Um, I feel like Meteor is a homeless man. I feel like Meteor <laughs> is a garbage man. Yes. I feel like Meteor yes. is a uh, he's got big like used to work as a line cook energy. I'm trying to like <laughs> like I'm trying to like. Ah. Yeah. He's got he's got like chaos goblin man energy, but not like <laughs> not like the dude from the bear. OK, that dude's got like hot line chef like vibes. Meteor has like grimy. Yeah, line chef a vibes. he cannot pull grimy <laughs> yeah. parentheses derogative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like he reminds me of Alan Wake when Alan Wake comes out of the bad place in the Alan Wake two trailer that we saw where he like comes out and he's clearly been in the bad place for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Meteor mm-hmm. looks like that always. Uh, but I, I bring that up number one because, you know, within the story, it's hinted at that Graha Tia and Alice definitely have a thing for the warrior of lights are, yes. are, crushing hard on the warrior of light and are in competition with each other for the warrior of lights affections we're like full spoiler full spoilers for this episode right this is like yeah, yeah red yeah. level yeah, yeah. <laughs> threat level defcon one spoilers yeah um but that's why i always think it's funny when i see him in the trailers and i'm like that that is an old man 
that is <laughs> that is that is an old grimy man who is like, oh, is it going to put on? He's like smoking a cigarette and probably where he's probably doing dip. He's got like a dip cup next yeah. to him. He's like putting on his paladin armor and stuff. He's like, yeah, I got to go fight some monsters today. And Alice is like, oh, my God, the warrior blade. He's like, yeah, <laughs> like just <laughs> nasty, nasty man. Um, but I, I don't know. All that being said, he's also just the most box art booker dewitt ass character i've ever seen booker dewitt yeah yeah, yeah where i'm like yeah that's that's a dude on a cover of a video game and uh i think it's actually it behooves 14 a little bit to have someone who is so clearly just hey this is the blank space into which you could cast all your hopes and dreams mm. instead <laughs> yeah. um and be a cat person yeah yeah number one it makes all the other characters around them in the trailer stand out which is what you want you want ishtola alice alfano to like stand out more because they're the ones that you spend more time talking to you don't talk with yourself but (laughs) i mean i do but that's not part of the video game but uh yeah meteor is just meteor you know he's just a dude he exists to be a dude and he exists to be easily replaceable by the player when they want to care more about the the person that they are playing. So yeah, he's just a book to win ass character. <laughs> yeah. I I remember I remember being very, very thrown when I finished ARR and watched the Heaven's Word trailer where it shows Meteor doing the run through the catacombs under Ulda when mm. when you're escaping mm-hmm. with the scions and leaving them all behind. Yeah. And I remember being very thrown off by that because mm-hmm. the all of the the CG cutscenes for 1.0 and ARR really just sort of use him, like you say, as a, well, th- this is a character and look at all the other characters he's surrounded yeah. by. Look at all the adventures they all go on. It's but the this space one... balls bit where they cut away to the stunt doubles and they're all like smoking <laughs> cigars and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and this this was but this was like this this felt like they were canonizing a moment that my character had experienced with a mm. different guy. You yeah. know, it, it felt yeah. very, very strange. And and the more they do that and center him in things like the fmv intros it's like they 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 never had a character like that for 11 you know it is it is always any any key art for 11 is always a a diverse group of adventurers even Mm -hmm. the the amano logo for 11 is just a group of adventurers yeah um and and i think even or key art for 11 that just showed player characters would show a Hume male and a Hume female um, who were sort of like the, the default characters. Um, so yeah, I, I sometimes, sometimes he makes me bristle a little bit. Sometimes when I think about how I wish the game weren't so focused on this one story aspect sometimes i wish sometimes i wish the the fmv cutscenes were were showing 
more of the breadth of the game because they have become very story focused. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes, I don't know, it, like when I see those, those pieces of promotional art that are like a bunch of characters standing around the market boards or it's like art for the diadem or something and it's everybody crafting and gathering and they're all wearing their different armor and stuff. I wish we could see a little bit more of that in these CG trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but whatever. That's just that's just me. That's I I do kind of like in in Force trailer, uh, sorry, Shadow uh Shadowbringers. You get that swoop through uh the um, when it goes through the, the crystal, crystarium. Mm-hmm. And, the crystarium, yes. Yeah, and and it shows that's all really the people cool. standing around and it shows the dancer and like yeah, I don't know. There's there's a world where I would love to see just I don't know put put a couple different versions of the FMV uh, trailer on in the game and randomize it and show a different you know like sure why not in parts where you have the player character have one that's a Lalafell, have one that's a Viera, that, have one that's that a Rudin, is, you know. That's so expensive though. It's so it's so like, expensive. It's so time intensive. If if you cut back on how much of that trailer is focused on the player character, then you don't have to worry about that as much. But we were just talking about how 14 is so player character focused. Like 14 loves the I, player. I, I, I know. I, and yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is that I, I, I do wish things kept it a little more generic and a little more broad because we do get moments like that where where I, I see the wrong guy running through the, the catacombs under Ulda. I think that's not my game. I've, I've come around to it. I love that the grimy man has to keep doing things and has to be <laughs> like keep being forced into service against his will. He's like, ah, yeah. and, and, and you don't uh. feel like that, that sort of butts up against what your character is. No, doing. Cause my I, character I guess is my character. Sure. I, I yeah, guess it, sort it feels of totally serves, different to me. Yeah. I guess, I guess it sort of I, serves as like, I guess the the sort of canon idea of the events of fourteen. It, it's almost yeah. It's almost like okay, this is a this is a story. This is Square Enix's version of yeah. the story through their character. Yeah. My character's over here. I can imagine him in, in a totally different scenario. Sure, it doesn't bother sure. me. Like like I can't in Final Fantasy fourteen wear the hat that says "Fish love me, women fear me" because I fuck the fish. But is that is that a hat that Asuka Mizuchi would wear while going on the fishing raids? Absolutely. Like that's that's just something that you have to like. And maybe it is because we do these levels of role playing and self inserting and mm-hmm. and like story inserting and all these different techniques, for lack of a better term, like ways of approaching the text of a role playing game that seeing yeah. a different character pop up it's the same as seeing a different shepherd pop up in a mass effect trailer like my yeah. shepherd is not default male ship or default femship but yeah. uh i understand when i see their version of that character that i can just control f replace and but that the, is my yeah. ship at the very least they give you two <laughs> default characters they do they do, they they do. do acknowledge well, the they, idea that there they is did. diversity in the they did character. eventually because all eventually. of the marketing materials until Mass Effect 3 was default male Shep. And then yeah. they were like, oh, it turns out that a lot of people like Fem Shep. Potentially <laughs> Fem Shep might be the most popular. Um, yeah. 
let's pivot. <laughs> yeah, mm. well, and and I feel like like Shadowbringers could have been a good point to sort of retire the meteor image as it sort of got consumed by Ardbert as a character, and and you could have embraced that a little more i'll i'll also be honest that i don't think ardbert looks a lot like meteor even though i know they're supposed to be the same Mm. character like there's something about meteor that again just looks ardbert has some of his shit together okay ardbert (laughs) was a piece of shit but he's different now uh whereas meteor looks like he's still a piece of shit (laughs) we'll we'll see what we'll see when we get that graphics update we'll see if they bring ardbert if if they grime up my perfect boy smears him about on him um i i have i have a ton of other philosophical questions to ask about the nature of play in an mmo but we don't have time for it so we're going to jump into some of uh our uh community submissions i asked people on our discord to tell us a little bit about their experience with their warrior of light and how they play and how they role play whether they care about who the warrior of light is or not so i have a few of these that I would like to read out. I'm sorry, a lot of people responded. It turns out people like talking about their Warriors of Light. Yeah, I had a feeling this would be a good topic. <laughs> um, uh, Robo Riley says, um, uh, a lot of it came down to wish fulfillment, desire to be super tall and ripped as hell. But beside that, I spent a solid five hours just picking her name, reading up on Rogadin naming conventions, thinking about what any deviations from that convention meant regarding her family. Ah, uh, ah similar. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, so also, there you go. That's, that's part of the art of, of yes. this that, that requires some reading is, is learning the rules and then learning how to bend them, learning where the exceptions to mm-hmm. lore can, can mm-hmm. make it that much more important. Um, uh, this led me to the decision that she's biracial and her parents melded the two mm. Rogadin naming conventions to reflect that. Um, I also wanted the name to roll off the tongue easily and have a cool translation. Um, while the lack of control over her emotional reaction to story events, very Link-esque but a bit more wooden in ARR, makes it hard to see her as a fully fleshed out character in the MSQ, I have very real headcanons about in-game interactions with people here. Um and they're referring to um, the uh, there, there's some there's some some head cannons about some some relationships between player characters in the, oh, the yeah. Blood God Discord. Um, <laughs> some okay. some of us have okay. have canonized our uh, our treasure map and and blue mage uh, stuff and and have uh, I, I'm very pleased to hear that people have incorporated uh, this into their character story as as if they have a a group of in-game friends that they adventure with which i I, enjoy this that's cool yeah i like a lot um uh stromgard says stromgard siren is another incarnation of the same stromgard which was created in 2003 when ff11 launched in north america uh elvon slash elizin uh, the face and even the hair is much the same, though with a bit more gray in it. As with most of the characters I make, he much resembles my real-life self. Certain aspects which were deliberately adopted, such as Stromgard's love of the color red, have carried over into reality and overwritten my original favorite color of blue. Part of me wonders that if he had been even more different, would those parts of the mask become internalized as well? 
Hmm. Is there do you do either of you have examples of things that have fed back from from your character into yourself? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Um, I mean, I like I definitely have more of an engagement with dragoons as a concept now because I picked dragoon because it seemed like the most interesting play style class to me. I was like, I, I didn't like Archer. I didn't want to sit still and cast stuff. I wanted to hit things. And the Lancer seems like, you know, not, I almost went monk, but I didn't want to be a tank. I wanted to like hit things and do damage. And Lancer seemed like the best option for that. And then I got really into just the idea of dragoons. So I think liking dragoons in general has definitely reflected back. I think mm-hmm. the pieces of me that reflect into Asuka Mizuchi are, are much more apparent, like my not so obvious uh, or my completely obvious, I should say, uh, Evangelion references and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that definitely reflects back and forth. But I see one further down that would maybe be a little bit more interesting to talk about role playing wise. So I'll save it for that. But sure, sure. Yeah, that's that is interesting. Nadia, anything for you? Uh, just thinking, like, for me, it's like, okay, I have, I mentioned Aslato being Aslan, like, I've always been a fan of the Narnia books, like, when I was a little girl, and it's like, seemed appropriate, like, hey, here's a fantasy I'm playing, I'll just kind of reach back for a fantasy I always liked. Um, it, it, I, I can't say I've really given it too much thought, but uh, I, I do actually think that I was not very engaged with Archer at first, and then it became Bard, and I found it a little more interesting, and I kind of incorporated incorporated that into like Aslato's canon, like mm-hmm. how he gradually came to appreciate being a bard. And uh, don't ask me to tell it because it's all kind of jumbled in my head, and I'll sort it out someday, mm-hmm. but not really, not now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that is that's something I wanted to touch on. I was going to have you read Doctor Horror's thing next, and then I was going to talk about that because that's an important yeah. point I wanted to touch on in yeah. character role playing. Absolutely, uh, <clears throat> but before we do, I will say that. Um, despite me writing Steery to be a wine connoisseur, Mm. uh, I do not have any wine skills or interest or uh, not, not not zero interest, but it's a, it's a part of her that she is very, very skilled at that. I wish I also was, but don't have the time or energy or patience to be as good at. That is, that is me with the crafting stuff that I do in game. Uh, here's kind of a sad thing. Uh, my, my grandma who passed uh, a while back, uh, was very into like seamstressing, like, like making clothes. Make clothes was very into like the fashion side actually got published in some magazines a few times and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, And that was like an aspect of her that I never really knew about until much later in life. And then learned a lot more about after she'd passed. And, and Uh that's kind of an affecting thing when you're like, there's this entire piece of this person who, who I loved, who meant a lot to me. I didn't even like know about this entire universe that existed within them of their love for this thing. And so when I was like, I want to do some crafting, I want to get into this stuff. Part of me was like, I would like to be able to make, the clothes and glams and stuff I want, but also like being able to be, I've never been good at, I I tried knitting once I was terrible at it. Uh, But being able to do it in game did feel like it was this moment of, I can kind of appreciate what my grandma found so interesting in 
designing clothes, designing fashion, creating these things that people would then wear. And so, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's there's lovely. definitely pieces of that. That is nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's very cool. Uh, yeah. Dr. Horror says, <clears throat> I am very attached to Mina Ashwright. And at present, I would not want to Fantasia her, even if she is a very plain hero model I chose at random. In my head, Mina is very much an arcanist at heart, and I've uh, only taken on other jobs if I feel I can justify her character's needs and her reasons for doing so. Eric? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was a Dragoon for the longest time, and I really like Dragoon because, as I've said, that was part of Asuka's story. And something I've been kind of working around in my head as I play through the Endwalker stuff and post-Endwalker is that as as a like mechanics play style wise, I've been really enjoying playing Sage. I I've found mm. it's, you know, it, it's like learning to do learning a new instrument kind of that, that right. is this whole new world of things that are familiar, but like different enough that they activate different parts of your brain. And so in my head I was like, okay, well I picked Sage because it was the one where I could get to end game content the fastest as a healer. And also I got sick lasers, like, come on. Um, <laughs> But in, you know, I was kind of looking at it as like, is this a moment for Asuka to kind of move past the the things that she had held from Ishgard, from being looked down upon, from being this draconic dragoon? And is she able to now suddenly move forward into this new age now that all the threats have been, you know, now that she can finally put down the lance, what does she pick up instead? And that's been like a really interesting thing for me to explore with her as a character. And I've even been like, kind of messing around with some of the other classes and stuff too, seeing if other ones just kind of fit both play style and like lore wise better. But that has been a really interesting thing to do is go like, okay, my character is changing. My character is molding. This is like a different story thing. How do I want to feel that represented in the game that I play? And I think, you know, whether by accident or, or by design, the fact that 14 allows you to explore those parts of character building is really, really cool. Cause if I was playing D and D I'd have to kind of like get my DM to be down with that and be like, Hey, I want right. to completely change my character yeah. or I want to reboot my character or something like that. And how do we make that work? And instead I'm just having that internal conversation as I play the game, but in some ways yeah. the game is fostering it. And so I, I think that stuff is really cool. And it's an aspect I really like about 14 is that it gives you that room to define that character by those bounds and then expand them or change them when you decide you want to. So, yeah. Thank God for soul stones and their, Ser their ability to imbue someone with. I cannot believe legitimately like world of Warcraft didn't click with me for a lot of reasons. But when I found out that world of Warcraft, like if you make a character, certain races can only be certain classes and mm -hmm. certain like sides of the war can only also the fact that there is like an ongoing war and you can't party with or now you can party with people across those i it, it doesn't it makes no sense to me wow is like made up monopoly rules to me <laughs> and like maybe it's because i learned all this stuff through the guise of 14 but looking at how other 
MMOs do it. I'm just like, why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Like, what? Well, why yeah. would you set this up? That, why would you not just let somebody be all the classes? That stupid destiny is like, no, roll a new hunter. Like, I don't want to do that. Just let me pick up the hunter gun. It's not that different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but like you say, I, I definitely do feel myself, especially early on, I felt myself imposing restrictions on what jobs I would play mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like she would do those things and Mm -hmm. then i I think i reached a point where i was comfortable enough with the game and i just wanted i wanted to try more jobs out and some of them i was able to justify um in in my headcanon and others i haven't figured out how to or or if i've decided get around to it Mm -hmm. yeah whether that matters ultimately but yeah i definitely feel like there there were jobs that were more her personality and and some that weren't and um yeah i i have two two character concepts that have been sitting there who might get made someday that i feel like suit a lot of the jobs better that i would like to play that steery just does not there's there's no reason she would be a blue mage it doesn't it doesn't compute it well, just I would you blue mage because they temporary insanity well sure but it, like i yeah yeah i i definitely feel that i definitely feel the the pull to 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 make that make sense um let's see i think we have a couple more oh uh 4k um says uh i i I, I posited a, a a bunch of questions um, on the Discord as as prompts, and some of them were about um, how 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 easily you would Fantasia, uh, depending on how attached you are to a character. Um, and and 4K says I will occasionally Fantasia for my wife and friends, but they are generally alternate universe versions of 4K, maybe from other shards. Um, uh, there was a time where my FC moved from a small to a medium FC house, so I fantasied 4K into a row for a week or two. I hated the height difference. Like, it actually messed with me, and I felt disoriented. Mm. But when I fantasied <laughs> him back, I made him a max height Lalafell so he could remember the experience. <laughs> I, I love that. I love That's great. that there was, there, there was such a feeling of, of dysmorphia uh, through mm. your avatar mm-hmm. that you're like this doesn't sit right with me but then also that I, I i want the character to remember that i still want that experience to have been a part of them so making them max height lalafell i think that's really beautiful i don't know there's something that's about awesome that. that is very good i i mean that's like yeah. the interesting thing is i i i've had that thought before of like would i ever fantasia And I would probably have to name change too, because I would want to make like a new character, like roll a new Mm -hmm. character essentially. And I've had Mm -hmm. ideas for a male Aura, for a row, for a um, pretty much everything that isn't here. I just have no interest in playing here in this game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I play human in real life. It's fine. But uh, (laughs) it's I I keep coming back to like I'm so used to the way that my character is just on screen. I'm so used to the way that I experience the world through the lens of this character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like, I respect that 4k is like, 
well, occasionally Fantasia for friends and stuff. But if somebody was like, yo, can you Fantasia into something for me? I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> I will never change perfection. Yeah, I am I, I am my Warrior of Lights role player. I am my Warrior of Lights <laughs> driver. And I am their number one stan. If yeah. they have a thousand fans, I'm one of them. If they have one <laughs> fan, I'm one of them. If they have zero fans, I have perished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I also want to... I want to bring up this comment from Billa. Um, they say they... they built their character around uh, Terra from FF6. Um, oh, nice. But uh, I kind of ended up liking them so much that um, they say this game has had a big influence on how I make characters going forward. Mm. Um, do you do you find yourself, when you have a character creator in front of you now, do you feel the impulse to make, you know, this game's version of your Warrior of Light? No, I make some completely different. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to go for certain things, certain characteristics, like, mm-hmm. oh boy, cat boy. But um, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's always different. I have lots of stories in my head. There's yeah. lots to go around. Uh, I I will say, agreed, no, Asuka Mizuchi is a Final Fantasy XIV character specifically. However, it has affected the way I think about creating a character in games because mm-hmm. I really like how I molded this character to reflect what the story was giving me. And so recently, um, obviously, like we're leading up into the release of Baldur's Gate 3 and I've been doing kind of some ground level research because I don't know a ton about D&D lore. And uh, I'm really compelled by the idea of playing something like a Githyanki in that game because it's so closely tied to the base story setup and all that. And I think it just kind of made me realize what I enjoy in role-playing games and maybe how what I enjoy in role-playing games has changed. Cause I definitely used to be a self-insert mm. type character. I'd always make the same commander shepherd in every mass effect who was just mm. my dude that I could go romance the space lady that I wanted to and all that. And I very much experienced, you should see my first dragon age inquisition character. It looks like Macklemore Eric. Like that was my joke. <laughs> that I was, I was Macklemore before Macklemore. Um, but it, there was there was something that clicked with like again I, doing the D and D thing for for Blood God alongside Fantasying and creating a Final Fantasy character that now I realize how much new enjoyment I can get out of this genre if I let myself create a character and have them feel tied in and have that different lens through which to view this world that isn't just like. Well, what would I do if I got Isekai did? <laughs> and yeah. love, love to Mike. Love to Mike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> uh, do you have like a couple, a couple more minutes? I just want to do. Yeah, one yeah, thing a couple more minutes. Very great. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, b- before we wrap up, I would like to know if there's anything in the future that you would like to see implemented in ff14 to maybe facilitate role play or to you know distinguish the warrior of light in in any way is, is there anything um anything else that you can imagine that you would you would like to see Think, things that your warrior of light would like to do that you don't feel like you've been able to do yet 
uh, more lore for Gadania and just the mm. moon catch in general. There's just not a whole lot that we know. Mm. Mm-hmm. And anything you could give me, that, that would help mm-hmm. for sure. Thank you, Square Edix, for listening to my plea. Yeah. I, I do think having like some sort of quest line that maybe helps you define a little bit of who your character is. And it doesn't have to be like, obviously we're talking about very high minded ideas that 14 does not naturally connect to. And and I think there's an entire world out there of RP and ERP that, <laughs> um, that, that exists for people who want to get really into that stuff and don't necessarily care about it being codified in the game. So when I think about what I would want, like codified in the game, I, I would almost kind of like ways in which to like define some aspect of my character, whether that be like, how does my character deal with something? How does my character carry forward the scars of the past? I feel like we've mm-hmm. had a lot of talk in, in the game about like, you know, the warrior of light has been on this long journey, this long walk, mm-hmm. you know, walk to the <clears throat> end, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But as much as I love that story, I do feel like there are times where I wish 14 would let us have some tangible method of carrying around those scars, because I think those scars right. are important storytelling beats. Um, and so here's here's my big brain pitch is a new cosmetic only, not tied to eye level or anything, but cosmetic only item slot in which you could put some sort of trinket or whatever that would be a purely cosmetic addition to where you could maybe hold on to an emblem that is like Harshafont's shield or mm-hmm. um a piece of the 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 crystarium or um a rock from Ultima Thule, I don't know, or like a a, a song. <laughs> I got something. a rock. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, keychain trinket type thing that would just add that little bit of like I am carrying a piece of the past with me. Because yeah. I know that like minions can sometimes serve that purpose, but they feel too like I don't know, like a sticker almost. Yeah, Whereas yeah I, I want, a little cartoony. I would like it to be somehow tied into like the actual story and the things that your character has done. And mm-hmm. I know this is like me. I, I want more depression in my game, but like I, yeah. I, I'd just like to see the scars a little bit more or maybe like the opportunity for your character to pick up some scars or something without having to go into Fantasia um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and do that. I know you can change hairstyles and and stuff like that, but um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's my one thing is I feel like everyone's getting through a little too scot-free, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some, some indication of what your warrior of light is fighting for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, a little thing that you could do to, to add that just to have that little bit a little bit yeah that that kind of that kind of feeds into something that i would like to see a little bit more is is um more opportunities for dialogue options that only appear based on side content you've done oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. like being able to yes there are flags for things like when you get to the baldessian annex um the the lalafell at the counter will say oh you if if you've done eureka you went on an adventure with my uh, i think it's his brother or something um, oh cool i didn't know that yeah but like more more stuff like that where where you could bring knowledge that your warrior of light has because you have gone off in these side quests to to sort of uh yeah prove 
prove that you have that knowledge that that you mm-hmm. are influencing the story because you have been places that not everybody has been with you too i think you know it's it's uh characters like like the scions and thancred and yashtola will sort of say ah you're back from another adventure i see well don't you care about what that adventure was (laughs) i've saved the world without you guys a bunch of times let me let me you know incorporate that into the story a little bit Mm -hmm. um there was also before the um the uh delivery um quests the uh what are they called post moogle no the the I custom deliveries post malone for a second <laughs> <laughs> and the post malone quests uh no the uh the custom deliveries before those were introduced uh it was mentioned that there would be an upcoming feature that allowed you to give gifts to npcs to raise oh, your right. affection rating with them mm. so with all uh, with just that to go on we were all like they're going to let us give things to the scions and like we're going to be able to pick which uh. ones are best friend and that's going to like influence cutscenes later on that sort of thing then that feature just turned out to be custom deliveries which which is just sort of off on the side doing mm-hmm. its own thing but that sort of that uh that that tokimeki memorial of it all would would be very fun being able to like actually interact with with npcs like that and have that yeah have a relationship that you can focus on doesn't it doesn't have to be romantic or whatever but but ha- having having sort of uh like a, a party member that you i just want to be friends with end and hug sheep with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's so cute i love that guy so much <laughs> um and then one last question before we wrap up do you guys care about meeting a zem or our other shards uh, I would like to beat Azem just because I would like to see how they handle that. I am yeah. curious to know how they would pull that off and and yeah. the way in which it would happen. Um, yeah, me too. But I'm I think not... it would go well for for Aslato. They probably just have a drink together. Mm, yeah, but I also <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would like to either. see how they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting thing to think about, um, and I, I don't know if we ever need to do it, but I don't know. They they're the ones that brought it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, that. Uh, thank you so much um, for for being with us today. For this, uh, we w- we went a little long, but I think it's a topic that is worth. It was talking a good topic, about. though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, for it's sure. It's a big topic, and it's it's a major part of why ff14 is so successful and uh and and i think there's still a lot of a lot of experimentation and a lot of room to grow and a lot of opportunities there that um i yeah that i think are really really interesting so thank you both for coming on the show with me thank you and no thanks to mike williams Um, no, we we give many thanks to Mike. Mike got yeah. isekai in the middle of this episode, so yeah, Mike yeah, is actually now a living truck in fourteen. Drove right through, his <laughs> right room through, it was terrifying. Should have seen it. Um, uh, before we head out, uh, where can everybody find you, Nadia? Oh, I'm pretty easy. I'm at Nadia Oxford on Twitter and Blue Sky. I have no plans to sign up with Threads. I don't know if I'm ever going to, but uh, for now, I'm good. 
Uh, you can also you can find me on Instagram as Woe Kitty, which I, I update once in a while. But uh, otherwise, yeah, of course, I'm with Axe of the Blood God. Uh, that's at bloodgod.pod, uh, bloodgod.pod, as well as patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. Uh, yeah, we have a whole bunch of content aside from Charlie and Dropouts. We got like specials galore and we just did the Pantheon of the Blood God for You May Nikki. Uh, we got weekly episodes and of course we got more Charlie and Dropouts. And if you want to pledge at the $5 level, you can get more. You get another episode every month. And, that and that's going to include whatever we come up with at the end of this month for our fan fest stuff. Yeah, um, so that's going go. to be uh, part of that is going to be our fan fest predictions episode, which you are not going to want to miss. That'll be coming mm. out right before fan fest. So buy yeah. into it. Yeah. Come check it out. Eric, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'm at C Moosey on uh, the the dying Twitter and the dying blue sky. Apparently, just everything is is dying these days. <laughs> is it dying? Like I, oh, I heard. A, we'll I don't we'll know. talk about this later. It's too long for the pod. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, you can find me by day over at Destructoid writing words over there. Uh, by night, you can find me on Acts of the Blood God, a Blood God podcast, as well as Normandy FM, which is starting up again soon. We are actually recording our first episode of the near replicant season pretty soon so very excited about that so i'm very excited to listen to that that's gonna be wonderful um you can find me on twitter at victor e hunter that's victor the letter e hunter and also i'm hanging out on co-host because that's that's where some of the people I really like yeah. have just kind of ended up. I, I do have a co-host. I, have a co-host. Yeah. I don't use it. Yeah, not Oxford. You have to like camp the names, right? You gotta get on. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to spending a little bit more time over there. Um, there's some, there's some nice people who are doing some very good writing and and making some really interesting stuff, and it just feels it feels a little friendlier than some mm. of the mm-hmm. other options. Um, so you can find me over there. Uh, I think my personal one is at Vic Boss um, and at Victor Hunter for my professional acting page. Um, on that subject, uh, hire me for things. I'm an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to my website from there. Uh, yeah, listen to my demos and stuff. I'm a voice actor. I I should plug that more often. I have a professional grade home studio uh i can i can give you whatever you need for all your voice acting needs narration commercial characters cartoons adr walla i do it all baby so if you listen to this and you're one of the people who is casting all of the really cool games and things that i'm seeing all of my friends in right now (laughs) hire me too uh i'd appreciate it but uh, other than that, that's it for this episode of Charlie and Dropouts. What was the sign-off that I settled on last time? Oh, shoot. I can't remember. It wasn't like get out, was it? It was just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 no, it was from the it was from the Athena raid. Uh, oh, um, uh, shoot. What did she say? Oh, uh, ignoramus et ignorabimus. Uh, it was... Uh, yes, my sign-off last time was we do not know and we will not know. <laughs> Foreboding. A, a, a terrifying <laughs> sign-off for terrifying times. Thank you all so much for being here. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>